was the opening music to The Harvey Girls, released in 1946 by Warner Brothers. And it's another musical. It was MGM. Oh, it was MGM? Yeah. The Musical Factory. Weird. On uh, iTunes, it shows it as Warner Brothers. That's strange. Well, you know what happened? I think when MGM went through its bankruptcy, Warner Brothers bought a lot of films. Oh, gotcha. That must be it. I think that happened. And Turner uh, Classic Movies bought a lot of them. Right. Cool. All All right. Well, some more trivia on Classic Movie Reviews, which is the podcast you're listening to. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from the Seattle area today. And I'm Bob Johnson. Um, in my office in Los Angeles, I got this new floor lamp, an LED floor lamp. It looks exactly like one of the alien ships from the 1953 movie War of the Worlds. It's really cool. It doesn't shoot out any death rays, though. Oh, well, not yet. It could just be like dormant. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or in iTunes or Facebook. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And uh, if you see us in iTunes, give us a rating or give us a comment. That's really helpful, and we love uh, hearing from folks that listen to the show. We love the comments, especially if they're good ones. Of of course, especially if they're good ones. (laughs) (laughs) I... uh... I have a whole bunch of background on this movie. Uh, it's one of our favorites. The uh, producer was Arthur Freed. He ran a unit within Metro Golden Mayor that specialized in musicals and Technicolor films. And uh, he did over uh, almost 50 uh, MGM films, most of the musicals. And uh, we've reviewed some of them already. On the Town, Singing in the Rain, many, many more, and he was an associate producer on Wizard of Oz, so boy, he was a, a master at making Technicolor uh, musicals, which MGM was famous for. Then I found that this uh, movie started out to be uh, an original drama from the book, and uh, they, were, they were scheduled to have Lana Turner play the Judy Garland character without any music. And then uh, the stage play of Oklahoma, the musical of Oklahoma came out, and MGM switched gears and said, we need to do this as a musical, and so they so they proceeded to do that. And uh, boy, does it come off well, that opening number. Well, this calls for a celebration. Hey, everybody, hey, Archie's going to be married this afternoon. I'll treat you champagne. Hey! Here's to H.H. H. Hartstein, his rosy happiness, coming in on the address do you hear that whistle down the line i figure that it's engine number 49 she's the only one that'll sound that way on the atchison topeka and the santa fe See the old smoke rising round the bend I reckon that you know she's going to meet a friend Folks around these parts get the time all day From the edge of the beach and the Santa Fe Here she comes! Hey Jim, you better get the rig 
Passengers is pretty big And they'll all want lifts to Brown's Hotel Cause lots of them been traveling for quite a spell On the way to California On the Atchison, Topeka On the Atchison, Topeka Costumes, my goodness sakes. I read it, I read in uh, that opening number that one of the actors got burned by the steam coming from the steam I know. engine. Yeah. I believe it was Ray Bolger. He, he had to take some time to uh, heal. Can you believe the colors of the costumes in that movie? I know, they were really Amazing. pretty. There was one scene, I think it was that opening number, where they were, had all these different pastels on. And then there was a dance scene near the end. I think it was when they had that big party where there were a lot of like really bold reds and blues. And Yes. Kind of an aside, one of my favorite bad guys is in this movie, Jack Lambert. He plays the man in black that takes his horse into the uh, blacksmith to have it repaired. He was a bad guy. Oh, he, he made a wonderful career. Of playing, of playing bad men. One of my favorite movies that he's in is called The Unsuspected with Claude Rains, and Jack Lambert is doing Claude Rains' bidding of bumping off relatives so Claude can get the inheritance. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a cool guy that right? <laughs> who, who played the Who played his the other kind of bad guy that set fire to the Harvey house at the end? That would have been Preston Foster as Judge Sam Purvis. He was appropriately slimy, wasn't he? He was, especially when he tried to act like he was so nice when he came over to talk to the two women about the gardening and the church and stuff. As for you, you go over to those girls right away and tell them not to worry. There's going to be no more accidental bullets in their lives, understand? Now, wait a minute, Ned. We're in this together, aren't we? Yeah, but let's stick to the Marcus of Queensberry rules. We ought to be able to lick a bunch of women with our hands tied behind our back. That's the biggest mistake you ever made. Listen, if they want a church to let off steam in instead of the Alhambra, I guess the Alhambra can hold its own. Now go on over there and tell them. Well, now, that's a promising idea. You know, I'm uh, quite sentimental about flowers. I was just discussing it with Reverend Claggett. Reverend? I thought they'd close the church. Yes, but we aim to open it again real soon. Mm. Oh, there are some people who don't like the idea of having a church here. Mr. Trent, for instance. In fact, they don't like having you young ladies here either, but uh, we figure to overcome their objections. Ah, yes, indeed. Beautiful flowers, church, lovely young ladies like you. This town is going to be something to be proud of. Uh, may I? Oh, surely. Well, thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. A uh, man's pretty apt to forget his manners in a rough country like this. I'm Judge Purvis. Oh, how do you do, Judge Purvis? I'm Miss Susan Bradley, and this is Miss Deborah Andrews. How do you do? Well, it's certainly nice to meet a man like you here. Well, the pleasure is all mine. I uh, hope we'll be seeing a lot of each other. Thank you. Thank you. Good day, Miss Andrews, Miss Bradley. Good day. He's nice, isn't he? Well, at least there's one gentleman in Sand Rock. And now I know who fired that shot, and I'm going to do something about it right now. What a phony. Yeah. He even he even, uh, he even planted a, a, a flower seed, and all the while he was trying to figure out how to get rid of them. Yeah, he was so two-faced. Boy, no kidding. Um, 
I have another interesting fact on John Hodiak, uh, who's kind of our hero here and falls in love with Judy Garland. He uh, didn't change his name much when he went into the uh, films because he said his uh, name Hodiak perfectly fit his face. <laughs> really? <laughs> but he he wanted to be in movies so much, he turned down a uh, baseball contract with the St. Louis Cardinals to go into the professional baseball leagues so that he could go into movies. He turned down a professional baseball contract? Yeah, the St. Louis Cardinals offered him a contract to uh, come into their farm system and then move up to the... Uh, major leagues and he said oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go try my hand at films. Back in those days though in the 1940s the baseball did not pay that well. Right, yeah, most it's not like players, today. Most of the players had to have an off-season job. This film was uh, debuted in January of 1946. Made a lot of money and uh, was one of many many Judy Garland films that were just, it makes you want to stand up and sing with her. What a lovely trip, I'm feeling so fresh and alive, and I'm so glad to arrive, it's all it's easy to see you don't need a palace to feel like Alice in Wonderland back in Ohio where I come from But I never thought I'd see the day When I ever took a ride on the Santa Fe She is so talented. What, what I liked about her character in this movie was that she was just so uh, strong-willed and truthful and authentic, you know? Like, she, she just told it like it was, and she didn't worry about what the consequences were going to be, and... I loved it when she went when they when the uh, when they got their meat stolen. All those steaks were got got stolen yes. from the Harvey house, and she took those two guns, which she obviously never held a gun before, and went over into the saloon and demanded that they return all the steaks. <laughs> that was such a great scene. Those two six guns were almost as big as she was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, she she fires it off, and and down comes the chandelier. Yeah, she shoots a <laughs> bottle out of one guy's hand and shoots the chandelier off the ceiling at the end. That was that was great. And the uh, the antagonist in that scene, Angela Lansbury, was kind of the uh, the hostess at the Alhambra. And boy, did she have hair! And I, she was tall. She's tall, and her hair was about another foot higher than than she was. I read that after this movie came out, she would get booed when people would see her because she was uh, seen as such a villain uh, <laughs> opposite Judy Garland. <laughs> it's a movie, people. <laughs> <laughs> Although at the end, she, she does some good. 
Yeah, she does. Um, it was fun. I was as I was watching this movie, I was I had this weird thought that this would be really cool to be remade as a science fiction musical. A how, science fiction musical. How about that oh, for a, a thought? Cover, explain that more. Well, I think so many science fiction movies are based on westerns, and I could totally see a science fiction movie where there's an outpost some on some asteroid or planet where they're going to open up a, a Harvey Girls restaurant, and all these women come in on a ship, and have you know it's exactly it could be exactly the same story except set in space somewhere <laughs> oh, i love it i love it it could be hardware too oh no oh, maybe not that's maybe a bad not title. that that's it's got to yeah. be better than that even if it was a science fiction musical it's got to be better than that i like that because <laughs> they spread up all across the west for the harvey girl restaurants there was one that was similar to the harvey girls i don't know whether it was run by them or not in uh, Livingston, Montana, it was on the, uh, I believe, on the uh, Great Northern or the Milwaukee Road. Wonderful restaurant. We used to eat there quite often on our way to some, you know, Yellowstone Park or something like well, that. Well, I, I read another thing, which is the Harvey House that the one in the movie is based on is still standing, but it's uh, it's like a historical monument now. And it's Is that right? It's not something that you can really go into, but uh, it's along that railroad and... Uh, you know, they, they, they looked at that one as a model for what they would do for the movie. Well, they were very successful. And uh, the uniforms that they wore and the drill instructor woman that got them prepared were amazing. They When they got all dressed, they looked like they were like robots. It was kind of cool, though, when they were doing yeah. the uh, orientation to what it means to be a Harvey girl. Yes. And they would go through all the different things about what the job entails, and I thought, wow, this is like corporate training in 1880 or something. The Harvey system, I must say, primarily pertains to the absolute perfection in the way we feed the trains. Perfection in the dining room, perfection in the dorm. We even want perfection in the Harvey uniform. Stout black shoes to keep a sense of humor. Please confine your underwear to camisole and rumor. Black shirt waist. Cuffs neat and trim. The apron must be spotless from the collar to the hem. The apron must be spotless and must have the proper squirrel. That's the first requirement of a Harvey girl. The uniform must be just right, but Mr. Fred has said that uniform or no uniform, the train must be fed. You're looking just as pretty as a Spanish omelette. But now I've got to learn you how to get the table set. First comes the plate. Then the cup and sassy. The knife and fork and here's your spoon. The nappy by the glassy. You serve them to the left. You take off to the right. Give them ginger peachy service or you'll spoil their appetite. Give them ginger peachy service or their appetite will spoil. Gosh, ain't it great to be a boy? All the way down <laughs> to their bloomers. Yeah. And I thought that the way that they did this was kind of empowering to women in the sense that, you know, they were trying to make them more independent, I think, and they were able to be more independent. So there was some there was some neat social things about this movie that I liked as well. I would agree with that, yes, because uh, Judy Garland is very strong and uh, forthright, and uh, most of the Harvey girls were seemed that way also, maybe not as out there as she was, but then she had the lead. The story is pretty straightforward, although... The way she ends up coming to this town, she was on an early version of Match.com, and uh, <laughs> Bill Wills was her 
was her pen pal. And uh, when yeah, I, I loved it when they saw each other for the first time, and and she was she was mightily disappointed. And then yeah, and he kind of had to beg her to say no to his marriage proposal. I think he had maybe had second thoughts about wanting to get married because he liked drinking and gambling so much. Later in the film, though, does doesn't he meet Marjorie Maine and they become an item? I think so. There, they didn't. It wasn't a huge part of the story, but they. It, it, I think they did weave that in near the end. I think they made a, a better partnership. Yeah. Than he would have with Judy Garland. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you remember Ray Bolger? He's the gentleman that got burned by the steam engine. He was the. Uh, scarecrow in the wizard oh my gosh that dance scene that he has in this movie where he does the tap dancing that was so so cool he 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 must have been the most flexible limber person i mean hollywood regardless of whether he had the makeup on or not you could tell that was the scarecrow from wizard of oz because of the way he moved he was so uh flexible judy garland comes to this town to meet will uh uh, chill will's character h.h hartsey but that doesn't go so well and then they kind of get it they open up the harvey they're trying to open up the harvey girls restaurant and that runs into the judge and other people that want to not have them there so that they can continue to have the gambling and the raucous nightlife they don't they don't want they know that the harvey house is like a civilizing influence and they kind of don't want that in their town They, they like the way that it is and they don't want it to change as i was watching it i was thinking that you can't stop this tide, right? Like this is just the first wave of like civilization coming out to the west, and the, it's a it's a losing battle. You know, looking back on it now, it was it was inevitable that this was going to happen. Yeah, but they they did their best to try to stop it. And uh, John Hodiak, he starts out as kind of like uh, I don't know, headed toward a bad guy in the movie, and uh, but is also intrigued by Judy Garland, and uh, he doesn't. He doesn't love uh, Angela Lansbury character, and she she does love him, but he doesn't return that. Well, and one of the things about the letters that Judy Garland's character, uh, Susan Bradley, was getting supposedly from H.H. H. Hartz, H. H. Hartsley, yeah, Chill, Chill Will's character, those were actually written by John Hodiak's character, Ned Trent. So he's kind of a poet cowboy almost right like he he spends his off he spends his off hours out in the desert looking at the beautiful scenery and dreaming about how he can build a life here and then at work he's like running this uh gambling house yeah he was a very uh, complex dude um the music in it is is wonderful and i think for me the story kind of ties it together you know we've had we've had enough musicals now that we've done on the town singing right this one holds together well, I think you know the the story. There is a story, and it's complemented by the music. Yeah, I I never felt distracted or like taken out of the story when the music started. It was very sort of natural. One of my favorite scenes was when one of the Harvey girls, I can't remember her character's name, went across the street to the Alhambra, and it was kind of closing down. And there was one guy left who was a piano player, and he kind of serenades her with a song on the piano, and I thought that was so beautiful. And, and sweet. I shall be loving you through all eternity. But if you don't 
I think, I, I hope I'm right in this, I believe the person that was doing that was Sid Charisse, who later on became oh, right. well-known as a dancer. And she was in another movie that we, uh, another musical. Um, it was in Singing in the Rain. Singing the, in the Rain, uh, yep. Yeah. She's I beautiful. Think that's uh, I laughed so hard when uh, one of our favorite Ray Bolger was the blacksmith. Oh my gosh! What was he? He <laughs> was in the comes, wrong job. He. <laughs> in comes old Jack Lambert as Marty Peters, and has problems with his horse. And Ray is thinking to himself, "If I don't get this right, he's going to come back and shoot me." Well, he doesn't even like horses. And then another one of the Harvey girls <laughs> no, shows up and is like, "Oh, I'll just do it," because she obviously has worked on a on a farm or a ranch and knows how to handle a blacksmith smithery and and horses and then she also sings really well and she sings while she's doing it she's very talented i think that might have been virginia o'brien but i'm not sure of that um the scenery is beautiful most of it was filmed either on the studio lot or out uh north of los angeles i forget exactly now where they did that but uh it, it had a feel of being in the real Old West. There were some scenes where you could tell it was on the studio soundstage. But well, I but thought the I thought the rear projection that they had on the train was pretty pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that's but I mean, it was like uh, whatever. You know, it did it didn't really detract from the movie. We've been spoiled by the special effects today. Where for me, when I go to some of these new films, it's hard for me to tell. But What's we've but we've seen it? better from the same era though. Like uh, yes. even even last podcast, the rear yes. projections that they did for that were excellent. Angela Lansbury was a fine singer, but they dubbed a singer for her, and they also did that for one of the other people. Yeah, that's so weird to me that they do that. They the comment on IMDb was that her voice didn't quite match what they had wanted for the character, so they just overdubbed it. Yeah, it's so weird that they do that. Like, if you're the actress and you're, you know, I'm sure she was actually singing on set, and then, you know, you go to watch the film and it's like, okay. Especially if they have a good voice. Yeah. So uh, it's an enjoyable movie in full Technicolor. Did well in the box office. Has a great ending. I like the ending a lot. Yeah, he comes right over the sage. Yeah, that well, that fight scene in the burning building, that was... Oh, fun. yes, yes. Yeah, and then the very end when he comes riding up, that was cool, too. I, I, I have to say, though, when they have the fight scenes in the movies from the 40s and the 50s, that some of the, some of the uh, takeaways where they've got the stunt people doing the fight, to me, detract from the movie these days because... Now it's so well orchestrated, so when I see Matt Damon uh, do that with the uh, with those uh, movies that he's done. The Born Identity movies? The yeah. Born Identity, and I think he did all of his special uh, you know, fighting scenes. They're just, 
I get distracted by knowing that that's really not the actor that that's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that happens to you? Uh, sometimes, because sometimes it's really super obvious that it's not the same person, and I didn't notice it so much in this movie. But I think I think that might come down to directing a little bit, because I think it could be done in a way that it, it wasn't distracting, right? It's just maybe the choreography wasn't quite yeah. right, or there was too much. Sometimes these fight scenes get drawn out too too long, and they do, and they just seem like they could be cut in half and have the same effect. And 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 have it focused on the actual main characters and the actors that do that are fighting parts. Well, um, moving right along, I would say that I would give this a nine on our rating scale. I think Singing in Rain is a little bit better. I hope I gave that a ten. I can't remember back that far, <laughs> but uh, boy, it's close to being perfect. One of these days, I was thinking I would go to that episode listing page and actually put our ratings on there. But I, I would have to go back and listen to the end of every podcast because I can't remember what we <laughs> gave the each one. With the statistical analysis tools we have today, we could do a distribution and the mean and the, the median. I know that our, our ratings are definitely uh, skewed to, to the high side, but we've been watching yeah. a lot of good movies. I would also give this a nine. I really enjoyed it. And I would I, I, I want to watch it again. I want to watch it again. It was fun. Um, since it's a Technicolor, uh, the the grandkids might enjoy some of it. Although I don't know, it depends on how they like the music. It's a little. I think it's fun. I think, yeah, totally. I think if they could sit down and watch a two hour movie, then they'd probably like it. <laughs> <laughs> so the next podcast, we're going to do Murder on the Orient Express from nineteen seventy four. A Sydney Lament film. Which will complete our four-movie cycle on movies that have trains in them or take place on trains. And then we're going to do... We're, then we're going to indulge ourselves and we're going to watch Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> It'll help anchor our rating scale toward the lower... <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might really like it and give it a high rating. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we can watch another one. I can't wait to do the, the clips from that movie. It'll be hard to decide which ones to use. <laughs> no kidding. Well, I think we wrapped it up for this week or this yeah, podcast. Yeah, another fun movie. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Matt Johnson coming to you from Seattle. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing everyone happy movie watching. <laughs> <laughs>